Welcome to Beyond the Ivory Tower, Conversations on Journalism, with Sandra Banyats and Phoebe Maris. Hi, I'm Phoebe. And my name's Sandra. And you're listening to Beyond the Ivory Tower, Conversations on Journalism, a podcast series where we want to talk about current research in journalism and today we are talking about the public, public sphere. And I picked the discussions from these hashtags to see if, we, if they are connected, if uh, people respond to each other or if they develop some kind of conversation and spoiler they don't. <laughs> To tell us more about the public sphere in digital spaces like Twitter, we talked to Chrissy Dagula, who you just heard briefly, and who is an assistant professor at the University of Groningen in the Netherlands. She was in Vienna this past February when we hosted our ICREA Journalism Studies Section Conference. And there she also presented a paper on her work and we had the chance to speak with her afterwards. Okay, hello, my name is Chrissy Dagula and I'm coming from the University of Groningen in the Netherlands. Uh, my work is about the public sphere and why we should rethink about the public sphere. And I go back to the normative theory and I propose to change the perception of uh, we have on the theory and to change our focus from the public sphere to the structural transformations of the public sphere. And I'm looking into Twitter as my main digital arena. And um, yeah, this project led me to other stuff as the journalistic use of Twitter, how media use the platform and why. And uh, I look into this topic because I'm really interested in political deliberation and all these big ideas, democracy, Aristotle and all that. <laughs> Her research also includes a lot of work by a German philosopher and sociologist, Jürgen Habermas, and his theory of the public sphere, which in most of his writing plays out in coffee houses among civic elites. But nowadays, conversations like this don't just happen in coffee houses among elites. So how does Chrissy apply this theory, which focuses on offline political deliberation, to look at online spaces where potentially anyone can join? Yes, yeah, so basically I think that the, the public sphere is not a static concept, but it's a flexible concept and we shouldn't approach it with dogmatism or be eclectic about it. But I think that we should go to the core of the concept and try to see how it can be applied to different types of arenas, not only the coffee houses, but how we can apply it uh, to other types. So what I did, I created a model that it's the ideal public sphere, and then I test these arenas uh, to this uh, model and see how close or far from the ideal deliberation. So this is pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I basically broke down Habermas prerequisites, but I tried to see the updated version. So we need open arenas, we need access, Uh, I'm still contesting a little bit the idea of rationality because I don't think that we can separate it from emotion, especially in these uh, contemporary forms. Um, yeah, I'm also looking at, on the do non-dominance of elites. We don't need elites to uh, dominate the dialogue in these platforms. I'm looking on the role of media. Habermas talked about media as the prominent institution of the public sphere, so I want to see how prominent are today. And if not, why not? And if yes, why? So all these elements constitute an ideal political deliberation. 
In her research, Chrissy focused on hashtags during the 2015 January election in the UK. But of all the social media platforms out there, why did she focus on Twitter? And why uh, this topic? Ah, because um, it's an open network. Uh, so there is, ideally, there is access to everyone. And you don't have to log in in order to be able to access tweets and to read the material. It's also an ambient news environment in a way that uh, everyone can see news all the time. And even, even if they don't search for news, uh, they're in the periphery of their attention. So it provides an arena where we can see news there. We can get journalistic information. So, so I tried to find a case that uh, has high political interest. So I wanted to see uh, uh, periods of time that people actually participate or are they more interested. Okay, this all makes sense in theory. Uh, but how does it play out in the real world? Yeah, what did she find out? So there are two parts on this. The first part is that I try to see um, the tweets in a sequence. So I try to see, for instance, hashtags and, to see, and I pick the discussions from these hashtags to see if, we, if they are connected, if uh, people respond to each other or if they develop, develop some kind of conversation. And spoiler, they don't. <laughs> so uh, I didn't find elements of public sphere on these arenas. But I also looked at the second type of uh, how media uh, use the platform in real sense. And I saw that the things that we mentioned in the theory, all this um, ideal uh, mode of Twitter, like uh, people use hashtags, uh, they participate with the audience, they talk with the audience all the time. I didn't see that apply in reality. So uh, they, most media and journalists use, in, at, the, uh, at least in my research, they use Twitter in order to disseminate their work or they use the platform as newswire so as to find news uh, to basically enhance their non-Twitter work, so non online work so this plays out uh, like that mm. so there are two realistic elements to it i think is there such a thing as an ideal public sphere online i didn't want to uh, see if it is or not i want to see how close or far it is so i can say this is close because it meets eight out of 13 criteria or is it far because it meets one uh, so I, I would love to do that in other arenas. I, I want to see it in comments on, sec on different sections. Uh, there are people that are working on forums. Also, maybe in, uh, in open spaces on Facebook, it would be interesting because we see a lot of commentary there. Yeah, there are, even on Instagram, because we have short comments, so it would be interesting to see that. surprising because Twitter of all social media is often referred to as the most political platform where you would expect people to discuss political issues. So did she find any of that at all and what did it look like? What I think is that uh, they just want to put their voice so it's a stream of different voices we can read everyone's opinion but there is no degree of uh, deliberation like in the sense of uh, having a proper political discussion and then it's there is a strong effect of emotion so even if I found traces of discussion then after two or three tweets it started to be <laughs> yeah, you know how it goes so mostly angry tweets but it can be irony all these kind of things. So, yeah, it wasn't something that you could say, oh, here we have political deliberation. If political debate online tends to descend into anger within a few comments, then is constructive conversation only possible offline? And among rational elites? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And uh, we thought I'm doing a class, I'm teaching a class on public sphere. And we decided with the students, we have this political deliberation group. So we meet and discuss topics face to face. And then we try to formulate a public sphere. And then we decided to do an experiment. So we did an online class with a small group of students and uh, there were rules. And even then we didn't have uh, political deliberation or any type of deliberation. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's difficult to have it in an online environment. Yeah. Or it has to be very structured, mm. guided by someone or with rules and then again. But then uh, it defies the the mode of online world because this is the, the way it works. So I don't know if there is a balance there. But also another element of the public sphere is that uh, the result should be an effect on the decision-making processes. And this is not something that we see coming from. There is some pressure, probably it affects the agenda setting of media or the daily topics, but we cannot see an actual effect on policies. I haven't seen direct effect. At least I haven't seen. I don't know if other people did. But <laughs> And also it's a matter of power relationship, which is something that I want to look in the future. But we have all these different type of power relationships within these arenas. So we have the politicians, we have media that they, in my opinion, they haven't still figured out how to use the platform. In their own benefit and also we talk about platforms or there is all this um, ownership by companies uh, there is this profit orientated discussion so I'm not sure how this plays into these political deliberation spaces. This is a good point because it also involves algorithms which might change the course of a debate so for example someone who enters a twitter conversation might not be able to see tweets that further develop the conversation but rather tweets that other people like the most certainly certainly and i don't think that everyone pays attention that they probably get the, la the latest comments they probably see the most relevant or the most liked and they just skip through them so i don't know yes The point of political debate often is policy change. But if engagement among people online seems trivial, then how can these debates lead to actual policy change? Or does this always need elites as mediators? I don't think that we have a direct relation within these two. So I can see an effect of Twitter on policies or dialogue, but it's indirect. So it, it may be through the media. So if media pick up something from Twitter and then make a thing out of it on different platforms, Or it might be the way that they put pressure in a way that they can. it allows for people to organize through Twitter or to do something offline. So it's a means, but it's not there yet, I think. We can consider journalists as elites in a way of expertise elites and intellectual elites or whatever. And then we have the political elites, so they're picking the topics and they then they became... But it's not the power of the people, so it's, it's a little bit different. Findings such as these are important for everyday social reality and political institutions, for example. Which is why we asked Chrissy what kind of impact she thinks her research has on society. Uh, some parts of it, I think they have social impact. I mean, in a sense, if you can map how how a specific in a specific country journalists and media use, for instance, a platform, and then you can come up with uh, ideas or practices that they can use differently or the ways that they can exploit the platform in their own benefit. So this might be an impact on, on journalists or on media, like in terms of like a handbook or something like that. I haven't worked in, this, uh, in these areas yet, but when I talked with journalists, I was in a conference last September 
that they were practitioners there apart from academics and when we had discussions they were very interested to see oh, okay I can do this or so it's something that it might have some some uh, things to exploit there. Apart from engaging with journalists and further looking into political debates online, what other questions does Chrissy think would be interesting to answer in future research? Well, I'm going to quote uh, Peter, Peter Dahlgren uh, from Ecrea uh, some years ago. He talked about we need more theory, not less. So I think uh, some return to the theory is something that we should do in, in the future and I'm advocating for this. So I think that we should go back to normative discussions, we should go back to the course and to the core of the theory and then uh, rebuild or update or rethink how, how we perceive things and how we define things. Because we talk about journalism and uh, when we discuss about definition or who is a journalist, it still remains a big discussion in academic circles and outside academia. So it's, it's interesting to see how this will go. But yeah, I would say more theory. <laughs> yeah. A call for more theory is a nice way to end this episode, I think. I definitely agree. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. And if you want to know more about Chrissy's work, you can go to the University of Groningen webpage. And if you'd like to know more about our research, you can find us at the Journalism Study Center at the University of Vienna. Our website is journalismstudies.univ.ac.at. And there you can also find information on the rest of our team, Daniel Nullecke and Michael Marbacher, led by Volker Hanusch. And also our contact details if you'd like to get in touch with us. And we'll hope you'll be around for our next podcast, where we speak with Edson Tandak from the Nanyang Technological University, Singapore, on fake news. The music you heard today is from Blue Dot Sessions. And also we want to thank Lisa Kiesenhofer again for lending us her beautiful voice and Radio Campus for lending us their equipment. My name is Phoebe. And I'm Sandra. Bye. Bye.